Hello, everybody. Welcome to Golf Only Better. We are looking ahead to the PGA Championship, the second major of the year at Oak Hill, Rochester, New York. Uh, once again, joined by Dave Tyndall and Ben Coley to look ahead. Welcome to you both, guys. Hello. Hi, Sarah. Let's start. Look, for me, the PGA Championship has... I think it's really elevated in stature. I think typically we sort of look at the PJ Championship and, and see it as kind of the fourth major or the fourth, I guess, less exciting of all the, the, the major championships. But for me, it has really elevated in stature. Obviously, we've moved from August to May now. Ben, would you agree with that, that maybe this championship doesn't almost get the credit it deserves? Yeah, I think so. And I think certainly that move from August to May has, has been to its benefit. I think when it comes after the the other three, it, it's obviously going to feel like a bit of an afterthought. It was almost, for some people, it will have been the hierarchy, certainly for a lot of Americans. Uh, the hierarchy will have been Masters, Open, uh, US Open, the Open, and then the PGA. And to have them in that order um, perhaps accentuates that. But but if you think about it, the last few years, I mean, for me, it's been the most exciting of the majors. Not to say I get as excited in the build-up, quite in the same way as I would for the Masters or the Open, certainly. But in terms of what the tournaments produced, we had Mito Pereira's double bogey on the final hole last year and, and a playoff. We had Phil versus Kepka and Louis uh, in, in 2021. We had Colin Morikawa, that brilliant drive, I think the 16th hole when he drove the green to win his first major. Um, you know, a lot of good players have won their first major here. Jason Day, Justin Tom. Thomas. We've really not had a damp squib, except maybe Bolter's role with respect to Jimmy Walker. Uh, and maybe the one before that was probably at Oak Hill, actually, which I guess we'll come to. But it's delivered. And that's because it's got a massive field of brilliant players. And uh, and I'm sure we'll get a real thriller again. It seems to be the one thing we can guarantee in a PGA. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Dave, for you, where does where does the PGA Championship kind of rank in terms of the majors? Because for me, obviously, Augusta's Augusta. The Open is special to us. The US Open, I think it's been marred by quite a lot of controversy in the course setup. I think with the PGA Championship, the PGA of America set it up really well. As Ben said, it always produces drama. For you, where does it kind of rank in in, in major in the major hierarchy in the categories? Uh, fourth, next question. No. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, I think I agree with Ben in the, in the build-up. It's, it's any major you sort of get excited about, but in the build-up, it doesn't hit those same levels. I reckon if, if you were to... If you were to poll me or get me to, to talk about it after the event and what were my satisfaction levels of enjoyment, I'd probably score it high and then look back and thought, oh, look, that's coming out higher than some of the other ones. So, yeah, it's one that you do really enjoy at the time. Because, yeah, previously it used to be the, the last one. It was billed as glory's last shot, wasn't it? That was the tagline to, to get us all interested. And I used to think all those club pros, I don't really care what, a bloke called Ted Edwards is doing, and he's 27 over par. Um, but in terms of watching it now, yeah, just as Ben's gone through them, there's so many good ones, aren't there, where uh, compared to maybe some of the other majors, um, even though you've been billed as these great events and they're bet historically, um, the USPGA delivers in terms of entertainment, and that's, that obviously counts for quite a lot. Absolutely. Look, we'll get into the course, your trends piece as well, Dave, obviously the runners and riders uh, for the PGA Championship. But I do just quickly want to reflect on recording this part, start of the week, PGA Championship week, but Jason Day, Sunday, uh, AT&T, Byron Nelson. Um, ben, I've been, I think I've been tipping in for the last 
consistently for the last couple of months, had him at the Masters. He's been trending, hasn't he? How satisfying for him to get the job done and get back in the winner's circle after five long years? Hugely. And I think it's one of the things that um, is really important in golf to have that that opportunity for players to, to, to have peaks and troughs. Um, and quite dramatic ones. And in his case, you know, it looked for a lot of people would have thought he was done really at the top level with his with his illness and fitness problems. He's he's obviously had a really difficult time off the course as well with his mum passed away and um, he was very, very close to her. And it, it's been tough and he's had to work hard to get back there. But I, I just love it when we see that, whoever it is, um, whether they're my favourite or not, you know, seeing someone who's who's had to really scrap to get back, it takes a lot of determination. Um, and he's always had that, hasn't he? He's a quality player. I think if you go down the sort of statistical line, it's amazing how good an iron player he's become with this new swing of his. And if you think back when he was winning the US PGA in, in 2015, really, he was a, a bomb and putt player. Um, you're really good around the greens as well. But if he had a weakness, it was his approach play. Well, his approach play won in the tournament, that wedge to the last. Uh, you see on the internet, some people saying, oh, what, you know, it's only 80 yards. Like, he hit it to two feet when he had to to win the tournament. Absolutely brilliant shot. So uh, glad to see him back. And um, hopefully that's the springboard uh, to to get involved in majors, which he, he did for a good chunk of the Masters um, until that vertigo came back, which I guess will always be uh, something we have to worry about. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, the battled injury, the illness, the vertigo, mum passing away, winning on Mother's Day in the United States. Dave, it was hugely satisfying, wasn't it? And, you know, he's a guy that's, he has scaled the heights. He has won a, a USPGA. Then he got to world number one. And he kind of admitted that when he got there, it, 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 it took some adjustment and, and struggled since. For you, what what do you think this does for Jason Day, not just getting back in the winner's circle, but but pushing on from here the next few years and his major championship hopes? Yeah, I mean, if you go on what happened in the past, when he started winning, he really started winning. Um, I think I, I was on him at the 2015 US PGA. I think he was 16 to 1 uh, when he won that. But yeah, he kind of, you look back at his form around then when he got to world number one, it's sort of Tiger-esque form. He's just got loads of wins after each other. And you think, blimey, how good is this guy? But sometimes, you know, it, they talk about, you know, it's the... The journey, not the destination. And when you get there, I know Martin Keimer sort of didn't know what to do when he got to world number one. And it can be a bit, oh, right, you, you planted the flag and, and now what? Um, so with Jason Day, obviously, it's not just a kind of sort of ethereal thing. It's more to do with physical illnesses and everything like that. And yeah, it was really nice, wasn't it, to see his family stood by the green and Dash, his son, who I thought was about five, is now about 15. And that, yeah, it was just a nice scene, wasn't it? You, you do hope that he's got the pedigree. He's got, you know, you don't lose that sort of winning mentality that he had. So, yeah, who knows what, what could come for Jason Day and hopefully some good things. He's got baby number five on the way as well. That's just, he's just got to keep having kids and, you know, obviously working. That's it, yeah. I, I, I you know, I don't want to, I think it's slightly harder for people of our sort of in our uh, worlds to 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 have that many kids. Good luck to them. Um, hopefully, we uh, we see a, a day dynasty on the PGA Tour down the years. I think I've, I was listening to the Fried Ed, Egg podcast earlier, and they were saying that do they still travel around in the in the RV, as I think they call them? I mean, they're going to well, need a big RV. For... I was going to say I thought they did, but maybe not because they probably need. A, yeah, you're right. Probably need an extra one or a. A double-decker RV, but there we go. Must have a good nursery on the PGA. It's a very good nursery system. Exactly. Bound bound to get free childcare. Dave, I'm going to come to the trends piece in a minute. Ben, let's talk a bit about Oak Hill as a a course. What 
obviously massive changes third time it's held the PGA Championship we saw it 2013 when the Duffmeister um, walked away victorious what about this course what are the challenges of Oak Hill uh, quite simply, it looks really long now and, and that it'll play really long. And I think that's a massive contrast in terms of a, a tournament going back to a course we've seen before. I don't think you'll ever have seen a bigger contrast because if you go back 10 years, uh, Jason Duffner, Jim Furyk, Henrik Stenson, three of the most accurate players on the PGA Tour um, or in world golf at the time. And it's not just them. You Like Boo Weekly wasn't far away. Roberto Castro, who sort of a 270 yards down the middle type player, um, it was amazing the the sort of imbalance towards driving accuracy. Even if the stat the stats don't always tell you that because you know if you miss a fairway by a foot, it's a missed fairway. Um, but but Duffner and Furyk that week they were just in the right place all the time. Now you've got almost 300 yards added. You've got 600 trees removed, and you've got the move from August to May, which from what I gather has made the rough much much thicker. Um, there's talk that it's like U.S. Open thick, um, if not as long. Um, the course will it'll be colder, it'll, it'll be damper. It just looks like a real beast all of a sudden. And actually, it made me think of Bethpage, which is where they held the first USPGA when they moved it from August to May. And look at what happened there. It was Kepka versus DJ, the best two drivers in the field, miles clear of the rest. And I do think the most important club in the bag this week has now become the driver. Mm. Dave, what would you add to that in terms of the playability of this golf course and the challenges that it will pose to the players? Yeah, like what Ben says, I think there's um, a short game will be important as well. I think around the green, the case with Donald Ross tracks, bunker play as well. Which, just to throw it in quickly, Scotty Scheffler is not in the top 200 for bunker play. That's one of those ones, isn't it, where you, it's normally Victor Hovland with around the green, you see that how can someone that good be outside the top 200, but Scotty Scheffler... Um, Isn't it mad that he's not only outside the top 200 in bunker play, he's also like bang average putter. I think he is the PGA Tour's Mr. Average putter. And he's just like almost wins or wins every week. It's utterly mad. Um, If he has a good week on and around the greens. There must be some other good bits he does well, I would suggest. I think so, yeah. But yeah, it's just just on the weather uh, there. Yeah, it's meant to be cold. Although I did have some friends in... um, in New York last week, I said, oh, what was the weather like? And they said, oh, yeah, it was 30 degrees one day. Oh, <laughs> but it's going to be a bit milder than that. But I think maybe the forecast for uh, this week is meant to be a bit mild, especially in the morning. So, um, yeah, we're so used to seeing USPGAs down the years in the southern states where it's hot and sticky. Uh, so it's a very different sort of test uh, to this to this week where, you know, the ball just won't fly that far. Yeah. So let's, we want to talk live. We're going to talk runners and riders, the main sort of favourites and look at some each way odds and some outsiders. Dave, talk us through the, your trends piece and what that has thrown up when you're looking at the certain criteria to pick out a potential winner of this week's USPGA. Yeah, so I'll just run you down the, uh, the categories. So uh, there was A's. This is the sort of best major for the younger players. We've had seven of the last 10 were in their 20s. Uh, world ranking, maybe like all the majors, it it generally goes, all majors generally go to someone in the top 15, and that's been the case with seven, the last 10 again. Um, normally, it used to be a bigger one, this one, obviously, because it was played in August. It, it normally was won by someone who'd already won that season. So even people like Y.E. Yang had already won that season, even though, you know, he went off at a crazy price. Um Again, current form is important. I mean, th- this is a, a real one for the USPGA. 
Uh, eight of the last 10 winners had had a top 20 on their previous start, um, which doesn't apply to certain uh, famous people, does it? Like Rory McIlroy, but yeah, we shall see. Again, it's one you tend to win early in your career. Uh, eight of the last 10 winners had only played between zero or five. So it's not one where sometimes the Masters, you need a few goes at it before you sort of work everything out. But this one seems to be that historically you can win quite quick. Even though that's the case, normally the winner would have had a top 20 in the event. Nine of the last 10 winners had already placed in the top 20 in this event. And then another one in terms of um, major form, um, this is quite surprised now how strong this one was, but uh, seven of the last 10 winners had had a top 10 in one of the previous two majors. So he okay. tend to kind of, kind of like highlight what might be coming with a, a good recent major performance. So that would be the Masters or back to uh, the Open last summer. And then the course fit, obviously we don't completely know. So what I did quite simply was, from what Ben said and what other previews I read were that because of the lengthening, lengthening, lengthening of the course, big hitters were definitely uh, preferred. So I gave more points to those who were in the top 30 in driving distance. So put all that together and... Glad, thankfully, this uh, this um, preview didn't take into account bunker play because Scotty Scheffler comes out on top. Um, he came out on top, but actually by a distance because when I wrote it, he hadn't got his points for playing well in the um, Byron Nelson, but would he come top five there? So he's quite a way clear. Okay. Then the next, then the next couple: Cameron Young, John Rahm, and Sam Burns. With Young and Burns. Obviously, they're young Americans in their 20s, which fits this sort of profile um, for this event. Ram, obviously, being Ram. And then the uh, next the, the next couple, Xander Schaffelet, that kind of figures. He's a uh, you know, really good American, youngish. And then the other one is slightly surprised me. I'll come on to him more later because everyone says he can't play the majors was Max Homer. So he Max Homer gets in the top six in these trends, even though he misses out on some of the obvious categories. But because of lots of other things he does well, he's shown up, he's, he's shown up quite strongly here in Tide 6. So, yeah, the trends say Scheffler. Um, just, let's just hope he doesn't go in too many bunkers. <laughs> and let's hope his putter warms up a bit. Because, I mean, Ben, it is crazy, that, isn't it, to watch. There's a great stat from Dave there on the bunker play. But it's amazing to think week in, week out, he's there or thereabouts. And to me, his putter has just been lukewarm for seemingly months yeah definitely and and although it was it was good over the the first couple of rounds of the byron nelson it probably in the end cost him the tournament he, along with the odd wayward shot he you know he's just that good from tee to green he hits so many greens that um you know the the mistakes are limited i think he's really really good at limiting mistakes and that's always a a good attribute to have uh in the majors i mean as far as the big three go him rory and and Ram, you know, it's kind of a turnaround from this time last year because we were all saying about John Ram. Well, his short game's just kind of gone to pieces, and um, and that cost him the whole year. Really, it was a bit of a write-off in in majors at least before things turned at the end of the year. And I wonder if that'll be the same with Sheffer and McElroy. We'll see. Yeah, McElroy's putting stats are really bad, um, but he did switch back to the. And Rory always draws me back in. He switched back to the the spider putter at Quail Hollow, and um, I think that's probably a good move. And we'll see how he does. But yeah, they, they, those two have just got to prove that they can keep up with Ram in terms of short game at the moment. For you, though, in terms of the main contenders and the favourites for this week, 
where's your head at? It would be Rory at the odds. I think he, I, I don't think he's value particularly at twelve to one. But if you, it's almost a reversal of the Masters. He, we were talking about Rory as an eight to one shot, who we all thought would would play well. Um, uh, here at twelve to one, he's got potential advantage being a member there, and I know people roll their eyes at that look he, he doesn't go there every Saturday for the club medal does he um he's probably played a dozen rounds at the golf course uh, I think he played there quite a lot during the, the pandemic just after the restoration work but I was thinking about this the other day and there is kind of a precedent you think when the, the Open went to Port Rush, obviously he had a nightmare experience but who won it you know Shane Lowry um and and certainly there was some whether it's a, a on a sort of physical level or a mental level there was a degree of comfort we, we think of Morikawa he won his first major uh, in his home state um, Justin Thomas won his first major at a course where he contended really for the first time on the PGA Tour there have been a few little examples of people winning majors at places where you think yeah they're just a little bit more at peace um, obviously his wife's from Rochester he'll have loads and loads of support and I've written a piece where I say look with Rory McIlroy the expectation is never low um, it's a very different run-in, isn't it? I don't think you'll find many people saying, you know, this is Rory's week. Um, so maybe it will be. I, I certainly hope so. But yeah, none of the three for me, but I'd, I'd go Rory over Rahm with Scheffler, the slight the slight doubt. I'd be happy to take him on. Yeah, it's interesting. So sometimes I often think the lower the expectation for Rory heading into a major, the better, because I just think sometimes he just needs that. He just needs a little bit of almost headspace himself where all the attention isn't on his shoulders and yeah, you're right. I think nobody really, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, a lot of people aren't picking him this week. I'm not picking him this week. You kind of, you said you're not, you know, a lot of guys just don't probably see, I just can't see it, but that's probably when Rory can be at his most dangerous for you, Dave, when we look at, obviously it's thrown up Scheffler it, with the trends piece of the favorites though, what's your kind of heart saying? Well, yeah, it depends on what your class is favourite. So in the betting or whether you look at the world rankings, because the guy I like best is world number six, Max Homer. He's world number six. And there are 17 players above him in the betting, which I just find like bizarre. Why? why? Well, just his major obvi- record, isn't it? Yeah, the obvious reason why his major record and everyone will say he's useless in majors. But I had a closer look because it's easy just to say, yeah, he's no good at them. But if you break it down a little bit, he missed a cut in seven of his first eight. So he wasn't a Cameron Young. He didn't take to them straight away. He just didn't get it for a while. But now he's made the cut in five of his last six. He was 13th in this event last year. So he's getting close. He was 10th after 54 holes. Then you look where he's won. They're all proper major courses. So it just doesn't add up why he hasn't played well so far. But I think it's it's a matter of time. It's not he'll never play well in a major. But he's, you know, he's won at Riviera, Torrey Pines, Quail Hollow. Um, he won at Potomac at the second Wells Fargo, and that's in the northeast of America. And the, the, and the winning scores in those events, I, look, I jotted those down, minus 8, minus 12, minus 13, minus 15. They're all sort of major-type scores, aren't they? So I think it's just one of those strange anomalies. And as soon as, as, soon as he does post like a top five, He'll be thrown in at 16s, 18s with, with okay. Cantley and Shuffle and all those. But just for the moment, because of his major record, we've got this chance to get him at a big price. And I just think he will go in soon. Because look, look at his stats. I mean, the numbers are superb. He's ninth in approach, 10th in putting, good around the greens, good long irons. I, I mean, what's not to like? And 
yeah, I just find it astonishing. If you, if you just distill it down to the very basics, he's world number six. He's 30 to one. Yeah. Surely that's a value there. In sport, what's just as important as the goals, the glory, the roar of the crowd? Yes, it's the halftime break. Time for a breather, a reset to keep everything on track. In sports betting, Betfair's safer gambling tools help you do that too. Like timeouts, so you take that all-important halftime break. Or deposit limits, to help you keep count. Manage your play at safergambling.betfair.com. Simple ways to stay on top of your game with Betfair. 18 plus begambleaware.org. So Ben, for you, in terms of your man to win, it's got to be JT, surely? No, stop no. it. Um, no, 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 no. Um, no. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be a golf any better podcast if you didn't have JT to win. Oh, honestly. Yeah, you just every April, just play my bit from the year before. That's all you need. Um, and look at the leaderboard from the year before and you'll probably get the same result as well. But um, no, look, um, it might be because I can't really tell them apart. You know, if you if you put their sort of profiles on a page, I, I probably couldn't tell you which was which. Um, I'm going to go with the the very close friends, not JT and Jordan Spieth, but the the uns- song power couple of the PGA Tour, uh, which is Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantlay. I have to say, I love Cantlay for this. I, I really do. And I think to some degree, people have had the same complaint they have about Max Homer in terms of his major record, but it's not bad. Um, and I think crucially, Dave alluded to how how good a trend it's been. I think in general, it's just a really good pointer to have had a look at winning one really recently. And although people probably don't think of him as someone who could have won the Open. He was there at the weekend at St Andrews. He finished eighth at the end, uh, but there was definitely a time during the third and again in the fourth round where he will have felt like he was properly in that tournament. And then it happened at the Masters as well. He had a, a really poor final round, but he was in the mix as the, you know, as Kepka and Rahm separated themselves. It was sort of Cantlay and Hovland who emerged to, to make it a little bit more interesting than that. So he's been knocking on the door. I think statistically right now, he's arguably the best driver, if not one of the top three on the PGA Tour. He's got a wonderful blend of distance and accuracy. And these fairways are hard to hit. Now, I, I don't think I, we're not going to see the leader in driving accuracy win this tournament, I don't think. But I do think it's going to be someone who, whose misses are small and, and in, infrequent in relative terms. I think if you go back to last year at Southern Hills, Will Zalatoris nearly won that ranking, I think, dead last in driving accuracy. I don't think you get away with that. So I want someone who doesn't make big mistakes off the tee, and and he's certainly in that category. And he's playing beautifully. I mean, the only dip in his form really was at Wells Fargo, but he's one of those, and I I talked about this ahead of that tournament um, on this podcast, where you've got players who are forced because it's worth $20 million to go and play at a course they don't want to play at. And that's one for him. He'd only played it twice before in, what, eight seasons on the PGA Tour, and he hadn't played well. So I don't really think it's his course. Um, The other thing I'd just say... Six solo wins if you ignore the Tour Championship because he got a head start. Uh, all six of them on bent grass greens. Um, two in Ohio, one in Delaware. <laughs> I always have to remind myself the PGA Tour did visit Delaware last year. And the year before, I think it was in Maryland. All in this part of the US, he, he really thrives. He has won in tough conditions. His putter's warming up. I love Cantlay. Um, I won't bore you with the full case for Chauflay. It's very similar. What I will say is that I, I just have to address the point where with Chauflay, I do have a little bit of a worry about him on a Sunday in the mix. I was a bit disappointed with him at Wells Fargo. Um, and to have that opinion, it might seem slightly odd to then put him up for a major. But I just think profile-wise, bar maybe Ram, there's nobody more likely to produce their best golf this week. And therefore, you know, if he goes into Sunday in first, second, third, fourth, fifth, we'll, we'll find out what happens. But I really have 
a strong belief that he will play well. Um, and that's that's enough for me to to take the chance as to what happens uh, come Sunday. Hopefully it's Cantley versus Shoffley. That would be, yeah, good chance, Cantley. I agree there on Shoffley. I do worry his ability sometimes to get the job done to close it out on Sunday. And yeah, like I was doing Wells Fargo in the Sky Studio and I thought he was massively disappointing on that Sunday. So He let Wyndham Clark off the hook massively, didn't yeah. he? Just just yeah. at that moment where it was like, right, step up and ask the question. I think he three-putted. And then it was like a weight was lifted from Wyndham Clark's shoulders. It was like, oh, this guy's, I'm not, I don't need to be afraid of this guy. So it's definitely a worry, yeah. Um, but yeah, okay, Cantley. So he's your main man. He's your... He's your winner for the PJ Championship. Dave's gone for um, Max Homer, also yeah. like that. Dave, what about each way? Is Betfair paying uh, 12 places on each way bets uh, this week? You can slim it down to eight and 10 in search of bigger odds. But in terms of an each way look, what are you thinking, Dave? I'll come to you first. Yeah, I'll just quick, quickly say I do agree with Ben on um, Cantlay and Shoffley, but at those sort of prices, you can't really throw too many of them in. You've got to you know, pay your money and take your choice. And I just thought Max Homer was a, a better value bet. So kind of each way, um, a, maybe double the price of those two. Tyrrell Hatton, I think, at 40 to 1. I thought he was a great bet. I mean, he's come top five the last two weeks. He's got uh, six at Phoenix, fourth at Bay Hill, runner-up at the Players' Championship. And yet people still say, yeah, but look at him. He's a hot head. He gets really angry. But I mean, just look at the results. They're, they are a fantastic body of work on the PGA Tour this year. And then if you look at some of his other major performances, he's got a couple in this part of America. He was sixth at Shinnecock, 10th at Bolter's Roll. Obviously, he's used to the milder temperatures, playing well in the open. Um, and then statistically wise, maybe he's a longer hitter than people think. He's 54th in driving distance. That's that's, you know, one place above Tony Fina, who we just think bombs it forever. He's six off the tee. So, you know, that's long and straight. 11th on approach, 25, 25th in putting. And for all his, oh, well, can you trust him um, if he gets a bit sulky and angry? Well, he's won at Bay Hill. He's won six times on the PGA. So I just think it's a it's a red herring, that, that idea that that will cause him to just blow it. I just think he's... You should give him more credit than that. Look at his bare results. He's 40 to 1. I think that's a really good bet. Um, two others quickly at bigger prices. I like Gary Woodland. Uh, he's won a major. He's done well in this part of the world. He, he's actually come top 15 in the last two American majors held on uh, US soil. One of those at the Masters, which was his best Masters result, uh, 14th, I think it was. So I like him, big hitter. And then Harris English, another one. Um, I think Woodland is 100 to 1 at 10 places. Harris English, he might have been cut a little bit. He's a three figure price at 12 places as well. And Harris English, back to back top fours in the US Open, which is really good. Um, one of those uh, was at Winged Foot. And again, he's, he's been playing better than a lot of people think. He's popped up uh, in some really big events this year. So he's got the form, he's got the sort of pedigree, not the biggest hitter, but. Again, you can look at his bare driving distance rank, but just look at how he's played on big, long courses. He's got a good record. So as a, as a value outsider, um, Harris English and Gary Woodland, but then as a sort of chunky each way bet, I'd go on Tyrrell Hatton. Like those, like the way Tyrrell's playing. I agree. I kind of think Tyrrell's 
that's Tyrrell. If he doesn't have that kind of fire and that emotion, I'm not sure we wouldn't get the same play, wouldn't get the same result. Sometimes, yeah, he needs to curb it. But yeah, he's been playing great. Ben, what about you in terms of an each-way bet or each-way bets this week? Yeah, I would have given you Gary Woodland. So um, I'll, I'll nod along with Dave's case for him if, if he has a good putting week. he's hitting the. I think you can actually argue he's hitting the ball better than ever. So he's just he has some putting weeks where it, when it's bad, it's really bad. So we'll just see how that goes. But I definitely was willing to to take a chance there. Um, he ticked the Beth Page box as well, which was something I was looking at. Uh, and so does Shane Lowry. He played well there. And, and I'm going to go in with Shane again. I, he's one of those that... Coming into the weekend, I was I was looking at Ricky Fowler and ultimately decided that he needs a sort of stepping stone before we expect him to stick around in a major again, um, despite a fabulous long-term record in majors. Um, and I was looking at Lowry, and Lowry was 50-1. to 1, And as the weekend's progressed, he's not done anything. He's been practicing, and I don't think anyone's been watching. Um, he, he's drifted to 80-1. to 1. I think that's a remarkable prize. That's double the odds he was at Augusta a month ago. Um, he's only played twice since, and he's hit the ball fine. He's putted badly, and that's that's become a problem. Um, I mean, it's always been a weakness or a potential weakness, but I think over short putts, he's... He has had a real problem the last six months, but um, everything else, his long game is fine. He missed the cut narrowly at Quail Hollow. He's never played well there. Um, Heritage, I can forgive. People forget he was in the top 10 all week. I, I was on him at the Masters. He was in the top 10 all week until midway through the final round. I think he finished 16th. He's got eight top 25s in the 12 majors he's played since he won one. Um, and he's got loads of form on these sort of big, long courses. Obviously, he won at Firestone, which is 7,400 yard par 70 like this one. Uh, he played well at Bethpage. Um, and as well, we're going to get, um, as my dog pops into shot, we're going to get some wind and rain uh, here. I think rain in particular at the weekend. Uh, and that's that's great for him. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but he, you, you think of the two iconic images of Shane Lowry. He's got his waterproofs on in both of them. So um, I just think he's a massive price. He has got some questions to answer. But to be 80 to 1, it, it's un- unthinkable to me that he would be the same, like a bigger price than Adam Scott um, and and sort of price like along with Figala and stuff. I, I think he's better than that. And he's a big He's a big time golfer, isn't he? Uh, the bigger the stage, the better he gets. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if he wins another major in his career. Yeah, good shout. I reminded him of that at the Masters when obviously all the talk was the weather was going to get ugly for the weekend. And I asked him that in a post-round interview. I think it was after date, yeah, after the Friday. And he said, Sarah, I live in Florida now. So don't <laughs> <laughs> so Hey, where wind and rain in Florida is what cost him the Honda Classic last year. Yes, but, um, yeah. Exactly. When, when, yeah, when when you ask when you ask sort of players like that, they seem to think you're asking them, Do you love playing in wind? No, yeah. I don't. No, but no. I'm better at it than lots of other guys who Okay, exactly. What about so let's have a look at the so Ben in terms of Shane Lowry, yep, like that, Tyrrell Hatton. And who's your other one, Dave? Just remind me. Sorry, you said um I think we both like Gary Woodland and Harris English as well. Yeah, yeah. What about let's look at the exchange? Let's have a look at obviously home with the bigger prices and in play value. If we're looking at some some outsider chances, some you know, some good really good value, big prices on the exchange. An outsider who could cause a big shock. Dave, where are you looking for that? Well, just to say, on the exchange, Max Homer is 50 on the exchange. I think that's a great price because you're not playing to the sort of nick 7th or 8th or ninth or 10th or 12th as we go. Um, you're playing 50 to 1 on a guy who gets in contention in big events and wins them. I know he's not done it in a major, but 50, that could look really good. Yeah. The other one, I'm slightly going the other way with this. I don't know about Roy. I think Rory could completely bomb or he could have a fantastic week. On the exchange, he's 14.5. 
to me, that's worth a go because I think I think it's either be a fantastic week when no one really thinks it's going to be a fantastic week or it just won't happen for him. And just that little thing about him being a member there and, and the family connection, it's one of those ones, if he wins and you know that, you'll kick yourself, won't you? So you could take that scenario out of the equation and just, just have a few quid or whatever at 14.5. Good stuff. What about in terms of a huge outsider? Big, big, big odds. Where are you looking at for a surprise package? I know you had KH Lee, didn't you, at um, Quail Hollow a couple of weeks ago, um, which was a great shout. What about in terms of some big prices? Again, uh, you could the two I've already mentioned in terms of of you know can they win? Gary Woodland has won a major. Yeah. Um, where I'm scrolling down a long way and I can't even find him. There he is. Gary Woodland, 170 on the exchange. Uh, so he could be worth a look. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some fancy prices, aren't there? I'm sure Ben will mention Shane Lowry's price on there. But yeah, lots of um, Jason Day, we've talked about 36. So if you think, with the exchange, you, you always want to look at guys who you think can actually, you either want to trade them or guys you think they can actually win at that price. And, you know, if they've already won a major or massive events like Max Homer. Gary Woodland, yeah, you can play those prices. Look at Ben's dog. <laughs> What's he called, Ben? He, sorry, he, she? He's called Eddie. Um, when, when I mention a name, he sort of started doing that. Is it going to be like that, that octopus that predicts results? <laughs> Paul the octopus, yeah. yeah. I could do with one of those for majors at the moment, to be honest. I might ask him. Um, I'll give you uh, I'll give you Cam Davis, Sarah. I think um, okay. I think he's built for this golf course um, in terms of long off the tee, hits the ball high. His long irons are really good. Um, he's a bit like Lowry over short putts sometimes. I think if you're looking at him over a six foot, he might go make a cup of tea and hope that when you come back, it went in. Um, he's he's not got the major experience, but he's played four of them and made all four cuts, which I think is quite a nice uh, platform. And he's been very up and down this year, and that to an extent is him. But the one, two things I like. One is that he's got two very high profile top tens at the players and at the heritage. That's in his last four starts. Uh, and two is that he started to drive the ball really well. I think if you look at his whole career, you won't find many examples where he's had three tournaments like the last three, where he's been so good off the tee. He's one of the highest hitters on the on the circuit. So I could see him being a real surprise package if we're looking for um, the Mito Pereira of this year with maybe a par on the last instead of a double bogey. One, one, one quick one. Sorry, sir. One quick one, just as a sort of fascinating sort of mindset that they're in. So the Live players, Dustin Johnson, who who won on the Live Tour last week, apparently, but I did see the result written down. I don't watch it, but um, he he won. He's 34, I think, on the exchange. I, I did read a quote where he said he's playing really great again. Obviously, at the Masters, we saw all the Live players play really well, a lot, a lot of them anyway. Mickelson second, Patrick Reed, Brooks Kepka. Because I, I know in my mind, I've kind of, it's out of sight, out of mind. I'm not following it. But and, and I've kind of got this idea they're playing with like children's clubs and it's just a bit of a laugh and they're not taking it seriously. But clearly there's some good golf going on. And then you add in motivation to prove the PGA Tour right. And, and you know, someone like Patrick Reed or, will, will be so fired up for this. And then DJ, if he's in good form. DJ Whit has got a great record in this part of the States. So again, it's one of those ones. It would not surprise me if he's kind of the equivalent equivalent of Brooks Kepka at the Masters. I think it's interesting, you know, with, um, I know Claude pretty well who coaches DJ and Brooks. And I think there was a period where maybe they went across and 
maybe they you know they weren't playing a huge amount and I don't think I don't think the practice I don't think the training was as intense as it maybe previously had been but I think you're right I think there's the motivation now isn't there and I think there's a feeling of okay we need to get kind of back to business Ben how do you see a lot of the live players shaking up I mean it, it surprised many at the Masters did it surprise you and do you think a couple of them could be a factor this week I think like Mickelson surprised me, yeah, because he's played dreadfully on every live start, and I think that tells us quite a lot actually about Mickelson and and live, right? He, he's not taking it seriously. He can't be because he's playing so. I mean, I think he beat one player last week. Um, as far as Kepka, no, it, I wouldn't say it surprised me. Obviously, I can't sit here and say I expected it either because he wasn't one of mine. As far as this week goes, I think Kepka's an appalling price. I, I, I think to be fourth in the betting, I, I think he's placing way too much stock in one good week at a course he knows very, very well. Um, he's simply not as good a golfer as Patrick Cantlay at the moment, or, you know, like he does, he just doesn't belong fourth in the betting for my money. Um, I'd be more interested in DJ. Um, you know, there was a bit of 40 to one before he won at the weekend. I think you can argue that, and, and you've touched upon it there, that definitely his off season was not. Uh, geared around improving as a golfer so now you know, it makes sense that he's taken a bit of time um, to to really find his game and as Dave's pointed out this is a good part of the world for him I have actually got one in my selections for the week and it's neither of those two uh, it's Joaquin Neiman um, a couple of reasons one he bombs it um, he's won on a classical tough golf course at Riviera obviously his first win came in West Virginia he's got a really good record in that sort of northeastern part of the US Connecticut um, played well in Delaware last year playoff runner up on a Donald Ross course in Detroit a um, couple of top tens at Muirfield Village in Ohio so loads of form in that part of the world puts well on bent grass all that sort of stuff and actually I think he's like he top 20 in the Masters where he's one of the best drivers his approach play was really bad and and it's frustrating that we don't have strokes gain data for the live events to see whether there has been improvement but I think he might have been third in greens hit last week which is at least a clue that there has been played well for two rounds um and I've always thought he's he's a player who is capable of winning majors he, he works the ball both ways these old-fashioned golf courses uh really suit him he might take something from his sort of best mate growing up nearly winning this last year. I don't really know about that. But if you look at his form since the Open last year, away from Liv, he's not finished out of the top 20. And that's only a handful of tournaments, but it does include the Masters. It does include a couple of FedEx Cup playoff events. Um, I think at 80-1, to 1, he's got loads of upside. So yeah, hopefully he's this week's Kepka. Um, but I certainly wouldn't be back in Kepka at less than 20-1. to 1. I think that's scandalously short. Yeah. Okay. So Ben, for you, Neiman, in terms of the top place, live player, Dave, you're going with DJ. DJ so, yeah. yeah. Just remind both of us, both of you, just remind us of your overall uh, picks for this week, starting with your favourite, Dave. Yeah. So my favourite is Max Homer. Then I'll go Tyrrell Hatton uh, and two big outsiders in Harris English and Gary Woodland. And maybe have a look at DJ on the exchanges. Perfect. Ben, for you? Yeah, so I couldn't split Cantlay and Chauflay. Actually, I've not talked about him because Dave Dave's made a robust case, but Homer's like he's the one I'm deciding about 20 minutes until I publish my preview as we as we speak now, whether or not to include him. I think that there are loads of good reasons. So I'll certainly um give a, a tick in the box for Dave's selection there. Um a bigger price is I like Neiman, uh, I like Gary Woodland, I like Shane Lowry, and at a really fancy price, whether you want to trade on the exchanges or or take as many places as you can get. Um, Cam Davis, uh, I, he, look, he's made all four cuts in majors. If he makes another, we'll get a run at the places maybe. So, yeah, I do like his game for this course. 
Perfect. Good stuff. And I'll go for Rory after saying I won't. And Someone you- had to, didn't they? <laughs> Someone, Someone had, had to. to. Well, we yeah. have, between you and me, Ben, it's normally JT or Rory. Or, and I have, yeah, Jason Day recently. But uh, I think J I think J Day will have a good week, actually. But yeah, I'll go Rory just because we want him to finally pick up a major. It's just been too long and we don't want the wait to continue. Uh, just a reminder, Betfair playing uh, those 12 places on each way bets and as ever, the exchange home bigger prices and in-play value. Please do gamble responsibly as always. Ben, Dave, excellent stuff as always. Thank you to you both. Uh, enjoy the PGA Championship uh, this week and we will see you soon for our look ahead at our next tournament on golf. Only better. Thanks for listening. <laughs>